Hey, did you know Bluff Country is located in Mondovi? And it's your locally owned hometown feed and seed supplier. Whether it's your pet or your business, they have the products and service that you need. They even offer agronomy services from seed to fertilizers and chemicals and even feed and forage sampling. Bluff Country Feed and Seed is your hometown feed and seed supplier. To learn more about Bluff Country, check out their website at bluffcountryfs.com. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed. Good morning, Jill Welke back at it here again. Getting back from the Marshfield Farm Show last night. Good experience, met a lot of people, got a few interviews done. And just being out and about again and seeing everybody was a, it's a refreshing feeling, you know. We've been kind of cooped up for a while and it's good to be out and about and have these events happening. Well, it's kind of cold out there this morning. Eau Claire has minus 5, and Medford has minus 23. So that means you bundle up those kiddos, make sure they got, they have their hats and gloves and coats on today, even though they might be fussing and stewing about it. Maybe, maybe we'll come out of this looking a little bit better because our high for Sunday is supposed to be 41. That'll be awfully nice after this little cold snap. But today we're supposed to get up to 31, and that's going to make it a little bit more refreshing. We've got a lot of chores to get through today. We're going to be talking with some farm news about Wisconsin exports, crop insurance, promising price projections, and next week is FFA week. So I've got a special treat. I had the opportunity to talk to Ben Steyer. He's the president of the Wisconsin FFA Association. We had a very nice interview. He talks about FFA coming up next, FFA week. That is next week. And he's really excited about doing some traveling and getting out there to see kids, to see the students, and see that have help them celebrate FFA week. We also have heard from Bob. He sent back some audio of some interviews that I get to play this morning. I even talked to him last night, told him to put on some more sunblock and Make sure he doesn't come back looking kind of like a lobster. Man, um, he seemed very happy. He's going to send... Oh, he did send me some more audio that I have to look at, and we'll get that on. We'll see if I can get it on for the weekend, or otherwise it'll be on for Monday. So now that everybody knows that he did make it to Hawaii, and he is and having a good time there, and learning about some different kind of plantations down there that he said he's never seen before. And that's always interesting to learn something new when you go something di- someplace different. So let's get working on our chores here. We're going to also be having the news and the weather and all that stuff that we normally do. Wax is the Chippewa Valley's home for local country radio and your local country morning show. This is Wax 104.5 FM WAXX Eau Claire. Wax 104.5. It's two minutes before five. Let's take a look at some temperatures around the area. As I said before, Eau Claire is at negative five. Medford's our low cold spot of the area and at 23 below. Rice Lake is 4 below. Wausau's 10 below. 
Green Bay sitting at two. Marshville's 12 below. Lacrosse is two. And Madison's at four degrees. Well, Milwaukee comes in at 10 degrees. Our weather today, we're planning on getting up to 31 degrees with a low of three below tonight with snow likely. Tomorrow, our high is 16 and a low of 14, but we're supposed to be sunny. Sunday, I'm holding out for Sunday. They're predicting 41 degrees and partly sunny skies with a low of 17. Monday, we're going to drop down some to 20. Tuesday, 14 with chance of snow. Then we kind of fall down a little bit in our temperatures, but every day we're one day closer to spring. That's why I keep looking at it, and we're going to come out of this. We always do. And our Skywarn 13 weather is brought to you by Markwart Motors. Markwart Motors would like to thank their valued and loyal customers, their hardworking employees, and the surrounding community for making Markwart Motors the largest General Motors dealership in the state of Wisconsin. And we're sneaking up here on 5 o'clock, and it's time for some news. President Biden is promoting the trillion-dollar infrastructure bill he signed late last year. We're rebuilding America. We're going to invest in America and build a better America than we found. Speaking yesterday in the Cleveland area, Biden said $1 billion will be invested in the restoration of the Great Lakes. He called the massive bodies of water national treasures. Biden said the bipartisan infrastructure bill is creating good new jobs while strengthening supply chains, which have taken a big hit during the COVID pandemic. A judge is ruling that former President Trump and his two children, Don Jr. and Ivanka, must sit for a deposition from the New York Attorney General's office. Lisa G. reports. Attorney General Letitia James issued the subpoena last December, saying the Trump organization had misled banks and insurance companies in pursuit of loans and favorable interest rates, as the Trumps accused her of orchestrating a witch hunt in a bid to further her political career. James said the family was trying to avoid explaining under oath why so many of their golf courses and buildings have wildly different values. Lisa G., New York. Blue Origins CEO wants to build more new Shepard rockets to meet demand from the space tourism market. The Jeff Bezos-founded company flew 14 people to space last year. Bob Smith said at the FAA Commercial Space Transportation Conference that he believes the challenge is a limit in supply. He said he could easily double the three crewed missions in 2021 this year, and there's a strong demand for more flights. And it looks like Joe Rogan's deal with Spotify is worth a lot more than originally thought. Two sources told the New York Times the podcaster's deal was for at least $200 million over three and a half years with the potential to earn more money. It was originally reported that the deal was worth $100 bucks. The news comes as Rogan is dealing with backlash for alleged COVID misinformation and videos of him using racial slurs. Mark Mayfield, NBC News Radio. Let's hear from Alan Jackson and Chattahoochee. Farm markets are brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Wisconsin winters are a polarizing experience. You either love them or you want to leave them. Be sure to enter the Rural Mutual Insurance Love It or Leave It sweepstakes, where each week you can win prizes by voting for the things you love and dread about winter. Visit us at RuralMutual.com to vote. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. 
feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And our markets are brought to us by Rural Mutual Insurance. Let's take a look at our uh, livestock markets. Choice-fed beef steers are 134 to 145 and a quarter, with mix coming in at 120 to 133. Choice-fed beef heifers are 130 to 145, with mixed at 80 to 129. Choice-fed Holstein steers are 119 to 133 and a half, with selects coming in at 80 to 119. Cows are 57 to 73, with a top of 95. Bulls are 48 to a dollar. Butcher hogs are 60 to 71. Sows are 60 to 68 and a half. Boars are 18 to 27. New crop market lambs are 215 to 227 and a half. Old crop market lambs are 190 to 215 with feeder lambs at 240 to $4. Looking at our futures markets, live cattle 143.40 down 27 cents for eight for February, April is 147.677, down 15 cents. July is 142.15, down one for our feeder cattle. And that market is trending downward. For our feeder cattle, March is at 166.20, down 125. April is 171.15, down one. May is 175.72, down 82 cents. And that market is heading down, is on the downward trend. Our lean hog futures for April, they're 107.57 up to, for May, they are 111.32 up two and a quarter. For June, they're 117.17 up two and a quarter. And July, they're 116.10 up two. And that market is trending upward. So let's take a look at our Board of Trade, our Chicago Board of Trade for corn for March is sixteen four is six forty nine down four, and that is trending down for corn six forty nine down four, and that is trending down for oats. It's seven twelve down two. Soybeans are sixteen oh one up nine. Our soybean meal is four hundred fifty one dollars a ton, up two dollars. Wheat is eight twenty one down two, and into our cheese products, our barrels are one ninety three and a half up one and a half. Our forty pound blocks are one ninety eight three quarters up a half. But our gray double A butter is two sixty nine down eleven today. Our class three milk made a little bit of a rebound on the markets for February. We're at twenty eighty eight up thirteen. March twenty two thirty five up four. April up fifteen at twenty two eighty six. May twenty two thirty up twenty four. And June twenty one ninety five up twenty. So that made a bit of a rebound for Friday. We're gonna hear from Ben Steyer about FFA week that's coming up next week. I have the pleasure of sitting with Ben Steyer. He's a state FFA president from Menominee. There's something coming up this next week. FFA week activities. Tell me what that's all about. 
Hello, and thank you for having me. Yes, FFA Week is coming up February 19th through the 26th, and my teammates and I are all really excited for the events happening throughout state and being able to work more with FFA members. This is kind of the week to celebrate FFA members and all the work they've been doing, so it's really exciting now that we have the opportunity to travel and see students in action, whether it's at assemblies or doing community service projects or even practicing for future competitions coming up shortly. Um, We're really excited for FFA week and excited to engage with members. So you said you're going to be going out. Does that mean you're welcomed into the schools? Yes, we certainly are. Most schools are open and able to have us visit. I know I'm going to a few different schools throughout the week, and all of my teammates have different visits that they're going to or or assemblies or other functions with chapters. So we're looking forward to that. And then kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum we're also offering some virtual components throughout the week too where we can zoom in with students um, as there are some advantages to being able to gather online and not have to travel um, to meet more people that way so you're going out so you're going out beyond the menominee school district how far are you going i am traveling over to the eastern side of the state a little bit so on tuesday i'll be going to the random lake high school for an assembly there that's over kind of in between Green Bay and Milwaukee. Um, And then I will also be doing an interview Thursday morning over on the eastern side of the state with one of my teammates. Um, But Friday, I'll be coming back home to go snow tubing with Menominee. So I get to travel a little bit, but spend some time with the home chapter. Head out and then come back to the base, right? (laughs) Exactly. Any idea what some of the activities are going to be for some of the kids in FFA week? A lot of them are planning kind of days of the week where they have dress-up days where students can dress in their favorite tractor brand or dress like a farmer day, things like that um, that are happening. And then there's also a lot of assemblies happening where schools gather the whole school and then have some different skits or games or a speaker to talk about FFA. I know some schools also work with multiple career and technical student organizations or ctsos so they might have a joint assembly with ffa and fbla or some other groups as well Um, so there's a lot of events like that happening but then also some things in the community whether it be different community service events or culver's nights a lot of different things um, to promote ffa during this week to shine celebrate some agriculture beyond just the ffa kids with involvement of the other of the other groups within a school Mm -hmm. do you see that as an advantage definitely we certainly do ffa doesn't stand for future farmers of america anymore or at least that's what not what the title of the organization is so we certainly welcome everyone to participate in activities and be involved the more students that can participate in leadership opportunities and learn more about agriculture and prepare for the future as leaders um, the more the merrier so we are more than excited to work with more students and continue to build those connections let them see what it's all about (laughs) get them involved right exactly yes ffa week from ben steyer he's the state ffa president from menominee and i'm joe welke keeping it rural wax 104.5 and the midwest farm report and it's time for some farm news Wisconsin exports are hmm, Wisconsin exports more farm products than ever before. Datcap latest figures show that Wisconsin exported a record 3.9 billion dollars in 2021. In 2013, export sales reached 3.7 billion. Top customers were Canada, China, and Japan, but 145 other countries also received Wisconsin products. 
dairy exports were up 16.14.6%. Meat exports increased by 10.4%. But crop sales increased the most, 20.4%. Wisconsin is ranked 13th in the U.S. states in exporting food, forestry, and agriculture products in 2020. Way to go, Wisconsin producers and marketing companies. Crop insurance earns the trust of American farmers. According to National Crop Insurance Services, crop insurance remains the number one risk management tool for Americans' farmers. Crop insurance protected a record 460 billion acres of farmland and more than $137 billion in food, fiber, and fuel last year. In 2021, farmers invested $5 billion of their own money through premiums to protect their crops. Farmers use crop insurance to protect their crops from natural disasters, during financial distress from market pressure, and as a tool for setting up operating loans. 55 farming, banking, and conservation organizations have requested that government officials do not cut crop insurance in the new farm bill. Promising price projections, short-term crop and livestock prices projections look promising into the next year. Right now, livestock and crop prices are up, with the outlook for all crop prices looking good in the coming year. The inputs that are put into specialty crops are generally smaller, causing the price outlook to be good for them. But future corn, soybean, and wheat prices are considered fair through the end of the year. And that's a little bit of a look at our farm news and our weather today. We're supposed to get up to 31. I'm looking forward to that, taking off the flannels and maybe taking off all the underneath shirts that I have on this morning. So here we go. We're going to do a few more chores, and then we're going to get into a longer interview that I had the opportunity to do with Damian Mason. He was a keynote speaker that I went to a a conference at, and he talks about the demands of farming and the way the markets are looking and the products are looking and, and even the stocks that are out there. So we'll be hearing from him in just a little bit. Commodity prices, consumer perception of agriculture, politics, These are all heavy topics that our farmers deal with on a daily basis. And sometimes uh, we need a little pick-me-up. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And Jill, you talked to just the guy to do that, to the guy who lends words of encouragement and breaks down some of these tough situations for our farmers. Yes, I did, Stephanie. I had the, uh, this is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn. I had the opportunity to talk to Damian Mason of Damian Mason Enterprises. He's a keynote speaker. He's an author. He's a businessman. He's an ag and food promoter. And he's going to talk to us today about the challenges that farmers are facing. Challenges for farmers in 2022. Yeah. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me. I'm here to talk about the business of agriculture. Uh, This is something that I do. I speak at conferences all over North America. Uh, in the ag sector, uh, bringing uh, some business outlook, some insights, uh, some realities, some uh, some edge, some things that the average ag meeting does not have and they usually don't hear. And then um, uh, I keep it funny because I have a background in comedy. So that's what I'm here to do. You're going to talk about the agribusiness part of it. 
what are some of the challenges that you're seeing coming up in 2022? Tremendous challenges. Some of them are continuations from years and even decades prior. Some of them are going to be new or nuanced with uh, what we're coming out of with uh, pandemic, supply chain, et cetera, et cetera. So today we're going to talk about the Asians of agriculture, uh, everything from population, immigration, education, confrontation, conservation, regulation, inflation, and a new concept that I've been uh, telling my people we're going to be seeing, and especially in food, regulation, where rampant food prices and in overall economic inflation are going to also then uh, catch the groove of regulatory environment, which we've had a great deal more of, especially in the last uh, year of what's going on in Washington, D.C., and it's going to contribute to uh, an inflationary environment. I don't think it's going to be as bad as stagflation, the term we gave to the 19 early 80s, uh, late 70s, but I, I do see some uh, contributory causes there. So those are the Asians of agriculture we'll be talking about today. And then, of course, the most important Asian is why agriculture is important for our nation. So how are, the, how are farmers expected to prepare for all these Asians that you keep bringing up? Well, let's talk about one, for instance. You know, you get the regulatory environment and you get the inflation. Much of that was driven by supply chain. So they would say, okay, I hope to goodness you bought your inputs and the things that you need to produce food or milk or beef. I hope that you have everything uh, secured as best you can. Um, that's been easier said than done. Uh, so the one thing, of course, is be prepared. Secondly, we are going to we are in a heightened inflationary environment. So did you meet with your banker? If you haven't this winter, make sure that you schedule time with your banker that you really pour over your night your 2021 numbers and talk about the realities of what you're going to need in way of operating capital. So you're not caught with your pants down and saying, "Oh, holy crap, costs accelerated 30, 40, 20 percent, and I don't have the necessary operating money." Um, on a regulatory environment, I think the more you know, the better you can at least navigate that. Um, on the population and immigration, there's some real uh, real uh, changes that are taking place that we've not ever really accepted or admitted in the business of agriculture um, in terms of the demographics. We're an older country. We are not growing in terms of our population growth. So the bigger adjustment isn't for this year necessarily. It's for the next 10 and 20 years when we're going to see some real changes to what our customer base looks like. Um, agriculture's entire... Uh, belief system and entire mode of success has been produced more because we've got more mouths to feed and the reality is some of those things are going to be changing and they're changing pretty quickly right now we only saw about a one-tenth of one percent population growth rate last year uh, so this idea that we're always going to have uh, uh, more mouths to feed is really starkly changing quickly the population is going to have a big effect on what the farmers are needing to be producing and providing for the food stocks and for even feeding the cattle that provide for the food stocks for the population. The, the, the Jill, the, the entire industry uh, complex has always been on uh, an, a concept of scarcity, that we don't have enough, that we don't have enough. we got to make more, we got to make more, we got to make more because there's going to be more people to feed. And the reality is that hasn't been true since at least the 1970s. You know, I, I remember... Uh, by the 80s, we had produced so much corn and soybeans that we had gluts of it. And we can talk about things like the wheat embargo between uh, us and Ch Russia in 1980, and that's, that's when we started to have then the, the bad 80s. Well, was that really because of a wheat embargo? Was it because of the fact the world just really probably had ample supply, or at least the markets had ample supply? So our concept of scarcity has uh, uh, been with us for a while, even though it's not been the reality. You know, we created a program in the 1980s called Payment in Kind, where we paid farmers in corn to not plant corn. Uh, so we've had this surplus issue really going now for the last 40-some years uh, in places like the United States of America. Our surplus is our strength. 
you know, it's better to have more of something, especially food, than to not have enough. But as we move forward, our issues are not going to be uh, resolved by just making more food because we're going to have less and less need for it in terms of uh, the fact that so many other countries are making so much food. So we just got to, I'm here to challenge these people with a mindset change. Um, does it need to change uh, this minute? Well, okay. We, we know that uh, change is hard, but we got to look at our entire industry and realize that it's these changes are actually have been coming, and they're going to be more pronounced in the next five years than they were in the last twenty. Steering a little bit away from doing the surplus and more and more and more into doing things a little more efficiently is that. Well, we're already we're already we're already tremendously efficient. We're more efficient than we've ever been. Uh, we make more calories with less resource inputs than we ever have in the ten thousand year history of agriculture. Uh, what will be the future? Future will be improving our distribution, uh, infrastructure changes, and also creating even more variety, which we already have more variety than we've ever had. But that's going to continue to be the the answer. And then we're going to uh, we're going to really probably analyze the resource aspect of it even though we're already really good with the resources we're in an environment of environmentalism you know these people in this room right here uh, and the entire industry let's say take milk for instance you know you take three pinhead uh, uh, elected officials in Washington DC that don't know anything about food production and scream about cow farts and uh, that gets a lot of traction so the, the the minions on Twitter that keep up with the the imbeciles that we've put in the the US uh, House of Representatives um, uh, might believe that. Now, the reality is, we do have an agricultural. Uh, we do agriculture does have an environmental footprint. There's no question. I mean, we're talking about feeding 7.8 billion people. We're talking about doing something that's completely not natural. Uh, you know, humans would be hunters and gatherers by nature. So we do have an outsized environmental impact, but we also are better for the environment than we've ever been on a calories produced per per calorie produced basis. So what will we do? We'll probably adhere to greater environmental uh, uh, regulations moving forward. I just hope that we do some of these things proactively versus it being, you know, carrot, not stick. The effects of climate and agricultural climate, can you fill me in a little bit more about your take on what's going to happen in the future? <laughs> yeah, well, that's obviously a political prediction. So it looks like all the tea leaves are telling me that we are in an environment where uh, these things become um, these things become movements, and it becomes that everybody just accepts it. There's a thing called vertical knowledge, where once it just beces this thing, it's like everybody knows it. And, and don't think for a second that propaganda doesn't play into that. I just spoken a little bit ago about population. Every human listening to this right now has been told we're going to just keep having more and more people, more mouths to feed. My God, we're going to overpopulate because you've been told that your entire life. Mm-hmm. We're all going to starve. It is simply not true. It is simply not true. 182, I think, of the 193 or 195 nations on the planet had a fertility rate that would not even replace their own population last year. So that is completely something that you've been siloed and told your entire life, and it's not true. Let's go with climate change. For about the last 25 years, certainly the last 20 years, we have been indoctrinated with this climate, 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 climate. You know, frankly, Al Gore, who claimed to invent the Internet, didn't invent the Internet, but he sure as hell did invent climate change. He's, he's really pushed this thing along. It has become a movement. It has become behind the scenes a tremendous amount of power and there's people are going to listen to this and say oh you're a right winger you're this I'm not anything oh you're a climate denier when you question political power and movement and money 
from a logical basis and they can't counter you with an economic or a logical argument, then they shout names. You're a climate denier. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I will not even get into whether or not the weather is changing. Oh, the weather's not the climate. Okay. Well, every time that a climate fanatic goes off because it just got a, a blizzard in Tennessee, it is weather, but then they'll say that it's long-term climate. Well, there's a long-term climate, which would be hundreds and thousands of years versus what happened last week in Tennessee. But it's, it's an amazing thing. There's a tremendous amount of money to be made in the climate game. There's a tremendous amount of money to be made in selling batteries, in selling electric cars, in forcing people to switch. Electric rates right now in the United States of America are up 6 to 8% on average. There are some areas, Jill, that are up in that 20 to 25%. Is this because we just don't have enough coal? Well, certainly not, because there's enough coal. And, you know, We have 400 years worth of coal in Wyoming alone. So... It's not about that. It's a matter of political shifts. And behind every political shift, I think that one would do themselves a big favor by following the money. So what's agriculture's role in all this? Well, first off, we can be a solution. If we are really concerned about climatological changes, we have 360 to 380 million cropland acres in the United States. About 900 million acres that are total farmland grazing. Most of them are grazing. About 350, 380 million that are cropland. Let's just say that we do three times as much carbon sequestration on those acres as we do right now. That's a lot of land grabbing a lot of carbon. You tell me what what can grab more carbon out of the air. Uh, An acre of somebody's lawn or an acre of crops. Well, I think crops, there are certain crops in particular that can do that. So agriculture can be a solution. The issue is, are we going to be used as the target and the straw man, which is commonly what happens? Oh, bad agriculture, bad agriculture, cow farts, cow farts. Are we going to actually have any logical uh, response to this? Again, what it usually comes down to is not what's logical, because humans are not logical. They they tune into Twitter and whatever someone tells them, then they get emotional about it and make it a climate denier or climate this or whatever. Instead of actually looking at the science and the logic behind it, agriculture could profit from all this. The question is, is is agriculture going to be allowed to make the money or is it going to be every other regulatory and uh, uh, recipient? You know, if we have to switch the grid to solar, if we have to, who wins there? Well, China makes like 80% of the world's solar panels, so they win pretty well. So is it really uh, good for the United States to do these things? Electric vehicles, battery manufacturers. We love to talk about the environmental impact of uh, carbon dioxide emissions and carbon monoxide emissions from uh, internal combustion engines. Has anyone actually looked at the environmental impact of going down to Chile and uh, excavating uh, 10,000 acres for a cadmium mine? Uh, I would counter that they have not. So there's a lot of... uh, propaganda on the climate change thing agriculture again can be a real agriculture first off is doing more calories with less natural resources per calorie in the entire history of humankind so that's a good thing we're already stepping up to the plate on environmentalism it's a question of will we have a big enough bat to actually profit from all these things that were being pushed or are we going to just be the recipient of it sadly i'm afraid that because we're a small minority of the population we'll be dictated to on what we're supposed to do for the environment or for climate or for whatever initiative Uh, when bill gates starts talking about what he wants to have done uh, bill gates is you know 40 million dollars or 50 million billion dollars of net worth so he can influence outcomes a lot more easily than the people in this room that i'm talking to but we all can make a difference by (coughs) getting ourselves educated and trying to make a stand well that's why i'm here thank you very much thank you jill and that was damian mason of Damien Mason Enterprises. And I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn. 
And he really had some thought-provoking stuff going on, really getting us out there and thinking about what what is really... And his biggest thing was follow the money. Look what's happening out there and just really pay attention and have your opinion. And it's okay to have your opinion and share it, but get educated and find out what's really going on out there. And it's time to run on over to Mike Dandria. Hey, Jill, how we doing? Good. I see you had your stocking hat on upside. I need to hold on to it because it's going to be pretty windy today. <laughs> so do you think we're going to actually get up to that 31? Yeah, it'll be pretty quick. Uh, we won't be there very long because we'll have this clipper system moving through, which has a warm front out ahead of it. So we'll stay in that warm sector for really just a couple hours. And then we have a cold front coming behind that, which will bring our temperatures back down, which really kind of continues on with our sort of roller coaster ride. But we'll also have a little bit of snow out of that. Now, not really that much. I want to say maybe about a half an inch to an inch. But with these winds as high as 45 to 50 mile an hour wind gusts at times, it'll make visibility quite a bit of concern. And we'll have those snow showers in about the early afternoon hours. It'll start to clear out later on tonight, though, and our temperatures will fall pretty quickly and even a couple degrees below zero uh, later on tonight, dipping down to around negative three. But with those winds, it'll feel as cold as 20 below at times. Tomorrow will be sunny, but kind of a day like yesterday where temperatures barely getting into about the mid-teens, and we'll still have a little bit of wind, so wind chills could still feel as cold as 20 miles per or 20 miles per hour, 20 degrees below zero. But uh, otherwise, for tomorrow night, partly cloudy with temperatures rising overnight to about the mid-20s by early Sunday morning. And Sunday is looking pretty good, at least for the first part of the day, because we'll have mostly cloudy conditions. But our temperatures warm up near that very elusive 40-degree mark that we haven't seen since about halfway through December. And going into Sunday night, another brief chance of just a couple flurries, otherwise mostly cloudy and lows dipping to around 15 degrees. Right now in Eau Claire, negative 1. I'm Skywarn 13 meteorologist Mike Dandria. But like I keep saying, we're one day closer to spring, right? That's a good way to look at it. We're uh, just a little over a month away. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Me too. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a good weekend. You too, Jill. Bye-bye. And that was Mike Dandria, and that was your Skywarn 13 weather. That is brought to you by Markwart Motors. Markwart Motors has the largest pre-owned inventory with pre-owned selections arriving daily. Check them out on the lot or at markwartmotors.com. We're going to jump right on over to Morgan and see what she has on her newsreel. Good morning. Here's what we're learning today. We know if you heard fire sirens in Eau Claire, that was likely responding to a structure fire at 820 Oxford Avenue. We know there are about... $20,000 in damage. Several dogs safely removed from that and we'll continue to have more information this morning as we get more details from the fire department. In other headlines in Chippewa County, we now have names on a ticket. Former Elk Mound Police Chief Travis Hakes is running as a Republican while Chris Kowalczyk is running as a Democrat and those are both the candidates that jumped in to replace retiring Chippewa County Sheriff Jim Kowalczyk. Now you might recognize the name connection there. Chris Kowalczyk is actually the sheriff's brother and an investigator with the sheriff's office. Those two Two on the ticket will face off in November. Meanwhile, more schools are dropping mask mandates in Wisconsin. Lacrosse, the latest to tell kids they can leave masks at home. This says cases and hospitalizations continue to go down in our state. A lot of schools locally and otherwise, businesses as well, and college campuses making that decision to end mask mandates. We'll take a peek into the political scene. And Assembly Speaker Robin Voss is pushing back on some claims that he's not doing enough to lead the Republican Party in Wisconsin. So the main problem that a small number of people in these county parties have is that we are 
not decertifying the election, which we have told time and time and time again is unconstitutional and impossible to achieve. Voss says Republicans in the state legislature have delivered on a conservative agenda, but have been stymied by Democratic Governor Tony Evers. As Wisconsin's political back and forth continues, we'll continue to look forward to another couple of months. That might be how long it is before we know that Republican field and who will be on that ticket. But former Governor Tommy Thompson is raising some eyebrows, saying he'll decide in April if he's going to get into the race. Thompson will end his time as UW system president next month says he'll make a decision after that. Now, Wisconsin's Republican field is crowded with Rebecca Clayfish, Kevin Nicholson, and State Rep. Timothy Ratham already in the race. Thompson, of course, was elected governor four times in Wisconsin. He left office in 2001. As you probably remember, that was to work for George W. Bush administration. President Biden is announcing $1 billion in funding to help clean up the Great Lakes. The White House making a splash with that money from the infrastructure bill, saying they'll use it to restore areas of concern that have been identified by the Environmental Protection Agency and some of those areas include here in Wisconsin. They're expecting to have those problems solved by 2030. While we're hanging out in the environmental slice of the pie, the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources is refunding people who applied for wolf hunting permits. This comes after wolves were recently put back on the federal endangered species list. Now, the DNR says that ruling means Wisconsin doesn't have authority to hold a wolf hunting season. $10 refund checks sent through the mail beginning in the next ah, month or so, four to six weeks, they're saying. And in East Troy, somebody's rolling into the weekend a million dollars rich on a scratch-off ticket, just one of three tickets in the entire Marvelous Millions instant scratch game. But even Kenny's going to need more money if he wants to uh, buy this diamond. Sotheby said the diamond named the De Beers Cullinan Blue could sell for more than $48 million. The auction house added the 15.10 carat gem is one of only five over 10 carats to ever appear at auction. The diamond was discovered last year in a South Africa mine. The auction will happen at Sotheby's Hong Kong Luxury week in April. I'm Brian Shook. Well, here in my world, my idea of precious gems is more like the rocks my daughter collects from our driveway during the summer, right? And you can keep rocking along with Jill Welke in the Midwest Farm Show. Then just after six, it's Alex Edwards bringing in that usual cast of unusuals. Get you into the weekend groove here on a Friday edition of the Wax Morning Show on Wax 104.5. I'm Morgan McCarthy. Brought to you by Chippewa Valley Bean of Menominee. Chippewa Valley Bean loves working with our area farmers, and they want to say thank you. And they also want to make 2022 a great year for you with a crop of dark red kidney beans. Kidney beans are a high-value crop with a great return on investment and a great addition to any rotation. Chippewa Valley Bean would like to work with you in 2022 to bring value to your operation with a crop of kidney beans. If you want to talk about what Chippewa Valley Bean can do for you, give their agronomist Ben a call at 715-556-1930 or find them on the web at cvbean.com. That's cvbean.com. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And we're going to jump to Jim Lindsay of Equity Altoona to hear what his Thursday markets were. Choice beef steers and heifers $1.15 to $1.35. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers $1.07 to $1.30. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers 118 to 130 with a top of 134 and a quarter. Choice Holstein steers 107 to $1.17. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers $1.06 and down. Top 20% of the cull cows sold from 67 to 78 with the top of 82. 60% of the cows sold from 55 to 66. The bottom 20% of the cows sold from 54 and down. Organic market on Tuesday. Top 20% of the organic cows sold from 80 to $1.05. We did top at 106 and a half. 
bottom 20% of the organic cows sold from 79 and down. Cow bulls sold from 65 to 90. Thin, full horn, and lightweight bulls all discounted. 80% of the 95-pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from 50 to $160 per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from $50 per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from $100 to $300 per head. Sows on Thursday sold from 55 to 65 with a top of 70 and a half. We are now selling organic cattle on Tuesday at the Altoona Market. Please have all cattle and appropriate paperwork to the barn by 11 a.m. the day of sale. Our next special feeder sale is Friday, February 18th, starting at noon. We are expecting two to 250 head of good beef and Holstein feeders for that sale. Also around a dozen bred beef cows and heifers. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104 to check out our early consignments. Go to the Equity Livestock Market consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, there I did it. I pushed the wrong button, and I had Jerry ready, but those chores got in front of us and took on over. So, Jerry, you're talking about how cold it is over there. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Jill. Yeah, it is 11 below zero here on 18th, which is uh, sort of unnormal, and uh, I was listening to that interview you had a while back, and uh, I bring some of these global warming and maybe they change their mind a little bit. I agree. Yeah. Well, we better do the market report. We'll do that, and I thank you, and a very good morning to everyone. A summary from uh, yesterday, Thursday, in this at Equity Stratford. Uh, cows, uh, you sell in a steady to strong trend. Higher yielding Holstein cows in yesterday's auction were selling from 68 to 78. We did top this week uh, on the Holstein cows, and earlier in the week we did have some fancy high yielding beef cows up into the lower 80s. Cows this week, 50 to 67. Thinner cows, plainer cows below 50. On the bull trade on the close, uh, 80 to 92 on the better quality bulls. Earlier in the week, extreme top of the bulls did reach uh, $1. Lighter weight bulls below 75. A very strong market on fed cattle the past week. Choice grading Holstein steers mostly from 105 to 119. Choice strictly prime Holsteins from 120 to 135. And select grading cattle. Uh, mostly below $1. Again, very strong demand. Uh, best demand, of course, is for the choice and the strictly prime cattle. On the calf market this week, Holstein bull calves closed mostly steady, uh, 5 to $1.70. Fancy bull calves this week up to 185 Heifer calves mostly 15 25 very limited demand. Beef calves, good demand, 150 to 300 And we did top this week on those at 375 and that was on Monday's auction. We'll just take a look ahead to next week here at Stratford, full marketing week on tap, of course. Our next, uh, next sale will be Monday, of course, and uh, some folks will have Monday off, President's Day, but uh, we'll be operating here as normal in Stratford. Uh, and, uh, of course, our next pay uh, and straw sale will be next Tuesday, the 22nd. Next feeder cattle auction will be next Wednesday. We do invite you folks to our website, Equity Co-op page, a lot of information on Coming special sales, both for dairy and beef cattle, that will be in the first part of March. So take a look at that. And, uh, Jill, I guess with that, uh, we'll turn it back to you. And uh, you'll be here Monday, or uh, because it's President's Day, do you get the day off? No, huh? Well, I told Kristen that I might be too tired to come in. Oh, well. But I'll be here. Yeah, that's good. All right, well, you enjoy the weekend and up and down, turvy weather and... Uh, 
real crazy about it. We can handle the cold. The wind is not what's very good. So anyway, you have a nice weekend, and thank you so much, and we will talk to you uh, next week. Yep, have a good weekend. And that was Jerry Fitzgerald from Stratford. We are going to run right through our country elevator prices because I've got Bob and an interview coming up. Golden Plump and Arcadia is at five eighty nine for a corn. Baldwin, Duran, Mondovi, Elmwood, and Fall Creek are all sitting at five ninety for corn. Baldwin's fifteen thirty one for soybeans. Duran's fifteen thirty one for soybeans. Mondovi is fifteen twenty six. Elmwood is fifteen thirty one with Fall Creek coming in at fifteen twenty one. Osseo's at six dollars for corn and fifteen thirty one for soybeans. Stevens Point's fifteen seventeen. Elk Mound is five ninety four and fifteen twenty seven. Sparta's six oh two and fifteen twenty nine. Ellsworth's at five seventy seven and fifteen sixteen. Doomer's Buck Country's at five eighty nine and fifteen thirty six. Wheaton Chippewa Falls locations at Five ninety four and fifteen thirty one. Connorsville's at five ninety four and fifteen twenty eight. Our ethanol plants. Boyceville's at six oh eight. Stanley's at six oh one. New Richmond's at five ninety. And our board of trade corn trending downward for March is at six forty nine. Down four. Oats is at seven twelve. Down two. Soybeans are at sixteen oh one. Up nine. And our cheese. Our gray double A butters at two sixty nine. Down eleven. 40-pound blocks are at 189 and three-quarters, up a half. Barrels are 193 and a half, up one and a half. And our Class 3 milk futures, February is at 2088, up 13. March is at up four cents at 2235. April's up 15 cents at 2286. With that trend going upward, we're going to hear from Bob. Then we're going to finish up our chores. And I'm going to sign off right here with this is what I have for you. Remember to take care of yourself and take care of each other. Let's hear from Bob in Hawaii. Aloha from paradise. Bob Bosel with our Wax Holiday Vacation Farm Tour. And we've spent a lot of time already on Oahu before we go to the other three islands. We're going to talk to some of the folks traveling with us from Bloomer and Elkmont. Let's start in Bloomer with the Cyberlings. Phyllis and Fred are with us. And Phyllis... Are you disappointed you came to Hawaii or have you enjoyed it so far? Never. I've been here three times and every time you come, it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. The weather is always beautiful. It can rain one minute and the next minute you're just soaking in the sun again. Now, I was going to say, I want you to do my weather report because people won't believe me when I tell them how nice this weather is. It is just awesome. Yeah, it just is balmy and warm and like I said, it's raining one minute, but then the next minute it's gone again. Are you paying attention to the weather back home? A little bit. I noticed today was supposed to be nice, but then it was supposed to get cold again. We've been yeah. on such a roller coaster at home. I think they got all the way up to 30 degrees. That's what, about yeah. 50 degrees short of where we are? Yes, definitely. <laughs> now, you told me before that you've been to Hawaii, but kind of disappointed in something you couldn't do, which we did do. Talk about that. Well, yesterday was our first chance after three times being here to get on the Arizona. Fifty years ago, I didn't. when I was here, I didn't think they allowed you to go on. We just viewed it from a distance. Last time we were here, the weather was too, our wind was too um, fierce that they wouldn't take us out on the boat to dock. Mm-hmm. And this time we got out there, and it's quite a place to be, isn't it? Yes, very, very breathtaking, uh, solemn. Just unbelievable what men did for us. Yeah, it was really solid. It always is. Thank you, fellas. 
Fred is also with his coach, Fred Seiberling. And uh, Fred, you learned something today. I did. What? You, want, you want me to talk about chocolate? Yeah, you look like, <laughs> you look like a good example of what chocolate can do. Yeah, we went to a, a cocoa farm. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. Close enough for Close. me. <laughs> so we went to this cocoa farm way back in this little road and met this wonderful couple who uh, started growing cocoa, planted cocoa trees and are now harvesting after, I think, about eight years. Cacao. Cacao. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. It was very, very interesting. I mean, it was unbelievable the different types of agriculture there are, or there is, in the United States. And, of course, uh, here on this, this is one island, there's so many different climates, and they were in a perfect place. Yeah. Because not every place is, is conducive to growing cacao. Yeah, yeah they're in a, in a rainforest on, a, in, on Oahu, and I think it was like a, over 100 inches of rain they get every year. Um, and they, uh, you know, and just the whole process of, of what they did, basically bought 10 acres of jungle and have cleared it off to some degree and, and planted these trees and now are, are uh, running pretty much a year-round harvest. Kind of an interesting visit, wasn't it? it absolutely, absolutely. All right, Fred, thank you. You're welcome. All right, that's Fred and Phyllis Simon. Let's go to Elk Mountain. The Douglases are with us now, Karen and Al. And uh, Karen, your thoughts of uh, Hawaii so far? Is this your, you guys' first time? Yes, it's our first time here. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And the topography of the, the island is so unique. Yeah. And the weather's not bad either, as we oh, talked to Phyllis about. That's true, that's true. 75 degrees, I'm loving it. So what do you think about being out at, at Pearl Harbor, on the chocolate farm, uh, just seeing this is a spectacular place? Oh, it's very nice, yes. Um, the Arizona, that's so moving, you know, to think that all the, those sol- soldiers, or whatever you want to call them, you know, had no warning and ended up something burning and whatnot, it's just terrible. You like yeah. chocolate? Oh, definitely, yeah. Do you like that dark chocolate? It was good. It's amazing that it's how they had this pod and how they discovered that you could get this yummy product out of there. They're trying to raise, they're trying to raise it on the prairie out there at Elk Farm? <laughs> I don't think we have enough warmth, but <laughs> it would be fun. It sure was. Thanks, Karen. And Al is also with us. Al, it's been a while since you and I have had a chance to visit. Yeah, I had to come on this trip just so I could talk to you again. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. Years. Been back in, how long? <laughs> 44. When you were back at Elkmont High School. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think about uh, Hawaii and uh, and being here? I know your your folks came with us on one trip before that, but uh, do they kind of encourage you to I come mean, and see it? They say it's paradise, and they're right. It's just, you don't believe it unless you see it. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, you've been farming all your life with your folks and, and Karen, but... Uh, Seeing a different kind of farming, like that chocolate operation, is yeah. kind of interesting. Yes, it is. Um, is this a bucket trip list for you two guys to finally yeah. get away from the farm or an anniversary <laughs> trip or whatever? Years ago, we were going to come and run a, the Honolulu Marathon together, and I had a bad farm accident, so 
we finally made it. Oh, <laughs> and you're not running. <laughs> no, not running anymore. But you're enjoying That was 100 pounds ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling, believe me. Boy, continue to enjoy it. We got three more islands to go, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and we'll see a lot more of the Douglases. That's Karen and Al, also the siblings, covering outbound and bloomer as we continue through Hawaii. We're just on Island One. I'm Bob Bosold.